Hi, it's G3, and welcome to Green Marbles. The U.S. component of Taylor Swift's historic tour is scheduled to conclude on August 9th, but it is already apparent that this tour and the woman in the center of it all is an absolute game changer. In fact, I know that firsthand as we'll get into, as does Jordi Visser of Weiss. And in this special episode of the pod, he connects the Taylor phenomena to a gold rush of green marbles related to crypto and blockchain, AI, and chat GPT. So please check important disclosures, which never go out of style, at the end of the episode and get ready for our talk on Taylor. And with that, welcome. All right, we are recording a very special episode. Very, very excited to do this one. Jordi, before we get into the heart of today's discussion, I think it would be helpful for you to remind our listeners of how the title of our podcast centered around the idea of a so-called green marble came about. All right. So I've always spent my time in markets and even before, as people have read with my Kentucky Derby paper, I was fascinated with baseball cards. I played Stratomatic. Basically, I have been a consumer of massive amounts of data since I was a kid. And when I left Morgan Stanley and I got into the hedge fund side, people started asking me how I found this particular thing. Why do you think this data point matters that much? And when you're getting billions of data points and every human being between what they see, what they hear, what they read, they're getting billions of data points a day and you get things like red flags. And so if you ask someone, what's a green marble? And I said, well, what's a red flag? A red flag is a data point that passes in front that you consume and you're giving it some weight heavily towards an outcome. And so green marbles for me are things that enter my universe that I go, there's something interesting here that I have to spend more time and do research. So when I get a green marble and it could be on the markets, it could be something for my kids, it could be related to health, it could be a food that people are consuming, like why are mushrooms so popular? And then I go do all my research on why, because I believe if something is happening I want to know the reason. And so if humans say, hey, I'm putting mushroom in my coffee and Tim Ferriss has it, I go, okay, that's not a green marble for me yet. But then when I go and my friend gets cancer and then she says on her recovery, Sloan Kettering asked her to consume a lot of mushrooms. And so I go to Sloan Kettering and I go, why is cancer saying this too? So then I go watch a documentary. So green marbles for me are points that I find very interesting that have a bigger story behind them. And then I just open it up and go through it. All right. Well, we are going to get into how the green marble came about as it relates to the one and only Taylor Swift. And you're also going to tie her ascent to AI, chat GPT, crypto, and who knows what else. But for everyone's interest... I know that in this particular episode, you prompted ChatGPT to write a paper in your analogy-based style to help you in your process. And I believe that we are planning to release it on the Weiss site at some point. But at the end of the episode, I just want to bookmark you for a few minutes for you to explain how you went about prompting GPT to do this. 
so that others can learn. Are you good with that? Can I get you on the record there? <laughs> you can get me on the record there. I, I will take everyone through it since I love writing papers and now ChatGPT is going to help me write tens of hundreds more in a given year. Excellent. You are going to get a paper a day from Jordy <laughs> moving forward, listeners. All right. So let's talk about how this particular green marble came about. I've got two daughters and one of my daughters is a big Taylor fan and her BFF is also a huge Taylor fan and her dad is a good friend of mine. So we decided we would take our daughters to see Taylor. I went on StubHub and I spent an outrageous amount of money and thought we were good to go. My credit card was charged. We started picking out our outfits, a lot of fun talk leading up to the day. On the day of the concert, I went to download the tickets and in searching StubHub in my email, I discovered that StubHub sent me an email several weeks later indicating to me that the seller had failed to furnish the tickets. So the day of the Taylor Swift concert, when I thought I was long four tickets, as it turns out, I had zero. I explained this situation to my friend and he said, let's go to the concert anyway. Maybe there is a StubHub tent there where we can explain the situation. Of course, there wasn't one. And after desperately trying to work with the StubHub people, ultimately it became very apparent that we were not going to be in a position to have tickets to see Taylor, at which point both of our daughters were extremely upset, very, very crestfallen. And fortunately, my friend came up with an idea. We went to another app, spent even more money, but were able to procure two tickets and we sent our daughters inside and they had an amazing time and were 15 feet away from Taylor herself. However, and this is where it gets good. And this is why I left you a message on this. We wound up spending the next several hours in the parking lot, listening to the Taylor concert. And while we couldn't see anything, we heard the music and we heard Taylor speaking and the like, and we were not alone. We were with several thousand other people, mostly young women who were singing along to every song, who were acting out the songs and who couldn't have been happier to be with each other in sharing this very special day where they could at least be with other like-minded individuals and the like. And it was touching for the both of us. And I think it really spoke to Taylor's incredible power and community that she has built. And I'm going to let you take it from here. <laughs> so when you texted me originally, it was weeks ago, I guess, right after the night of the show or the day after, and said, remind me at some point so we can talk about Taylor Swift. I just had an insane experience. And so we didn't talk about it then for a couple of weeks, but I was intrigued and now we had reached. So the example I gave at the beginning with you know, something like mushrooms, like, hey, everyone's drinking mushroom coffee. Hey, people in the office are. What's the health benefits for it? Hey, coffee. And then all of a sudden I get a cancer call where something else pops in. That was the fourth or fifth thing of a unique situation where Taylor Swift was brought into my universe. And I just want to make sure, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. So everyone knows I do not watch the news. I have not since, I think, 2020. So I don't watch any news ever. And I mean ever. 
I don't put on CNN. I don't put on Fox News. I don't put on MSNBC. I don't watch any news story. I read on my phone. And obviously, when I'm at work, I have a Bloomberg. And the reason that's important for this kind of green marble thing is that's how I want to make sure that I'm getting interesting data points to look into more based on how they're coming to me. So to get something from you on Taylor Swift is interesting. A friend of mine who I lived with at college, he sent me saying, can you help me try to get tickets for my daughter to a Taylor Swift concert? Then all of a sudden I'm screening for a podcast on leadership and Taylor Swift pops up. Then I get another message from someone who I haven't talked to in years asking me what I think about Taylor Swift. And then at my Pilates class, there's an instructor who's not at the class and there's a replacement instructor. I go, oh, where's, where's Claire today? She's at the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> and I'm like, where? <laughs> in Georgia. And I'm like, why would someone need to fly to Georgia to go to a Taylor Swift concert when she lives in Manhattan? So all of those things came about. And when you texted me, I literally started and just said, hey, and I reached out to my girls and just said, do you guys still like Taylor Swift? And there's a long story behind this whole thing for both of our daughters. But my reality of Taylor Swift's importance started in 2010. And that was a year that we were in Kennebunkport, Maine, where I had a home at the time. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, my daughter's like, Taylor Swift's going to be playing a concert tonight at St. Anne's. What? Taylor Swift. I'm like, and at that point, I knew who she was because she had like the most popular music out. And I can't, I think this was her second album that was coming out. I can't remember. She was promoting the song. So she played a concert there and we were invited to go onto a boat, like a fishing boat and go watch the concert because she was playing at a thing on the end of in Kenny Bunkport, but right on the water. So some people were at the church and we were out on the water watching it. She was playing out. And so that was my, that was 2010. I mean, it was 13 years ago. And at that time, my daughters who were turning 21, they were eight at the time. So that was the beginning of, I guess I knew Taylor Swift and occasionally she would show up in the papers but this is why this became so interesting to me and why I started to spend a lot more time. And just to fast forward, the day after you sent me that, I was like, all right, and this is what I do. When a green marble enters my world, I try to determine whether it really is one. And when I opened up and I watched her documentary, which was like an hour and a half, I think it's on Netflix, there was a ton in there that I knew piece by piece. But now I was starting to connect it back to, as you said, AI crypto, emotional intelligence, a whole bunch of things that I care about from a writing and thinking perspective that she fit in directly. Before we go too far down that path, I just want to provide a recap for those people who still may not understand why Taylor isn't just another pop star. So for our listeners who are not that aware of her unique position, can you just explain the magnitude of her accomplishments. It really is amazing to kind of watch it and think about what's going on. But I'm going to start and just kind of go through two things. First thing is, aside from how many albums and how much money she's made in terms of providing music, that's what most people are going to know her for. And then the little drops of things, the Apple's going to put together a free service for three months and none of the artists are going to get royalties from it. 
And so she says, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to do this. And she fights back on the biggest company in the world and arguably the strongest company in the world. And they immediately back down. And you have to think about today's world of like things go on and companies are then thrown on Twitter and no one buys their products for three months or a year or they at all. It's a community based world. And so for her to go after a very popular company and defend artists was a big thing. She also went through and fought for the rights on her music. And this was a story that I remember. I wouldn't know Scooter Braun except for a couple things he was involved in. And this is one of them. And at the time I remember, so wait, what's she going to do? She, they sold off her rights. She's going to re-record them. And I was thinking about it. So she's going to re-release the same music and that would minimize the value of what they purchased that Scooter Braun sold to a private equity company. And I thought it was a brilliant, but I also thought it was interesting. And that was my first thing of connecting it back to the blockchain. That was the first thing of like, wow, she's actually doing this. But then when you go further and you think about the risky things, I think the thing people probably may forget is when she first was on the scene and a young kid, Kanye West ran on the screen when she did win the Grammy and a drunk Kanye West comes on and basically <laughs> says it should have been Beyonce. And I mean, think about the Chris Rock Will Smith thing that went viral. I mean, the Kanye West thing, maybe people remember, I can only imagine how big it would have been in today's world oh of, my of viral nature. <laughs> and then she won an assault case and won a dollar off it, but she wanted to prove on something that had happened, I think, in an event that she was playing at where someone groped her. And so she went to trial on it. And then finally, she entered politics, which is a very dangerous thing for artists to do particularly when, you know, she's in Tennessee supporting Democratic candidates down there publicly. And in the documentary, they showed her sitting there before she pushed the button. And her father's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is going to be a mistake. You're, the backlash. And she did it because it's what she believed in. So all of those accomplishments of a girl that started at 16 and now a woman at, I think, 33, She's been with us a long time and I have a 33 year old daughter. And so all of this stuff to me resonates just by having three daughters. So when we converse about this, about having daughters and the impact, she's become someone that I think people look up to and the words that I would say, and again, this gets it back to the blockchain and it gets it back into AI is authenticity and vulnerability. And these are words that you and I have talked about on other podcasts. They're important because of the blockchain. And because of AI now, because you don't know what's authentic anymore, but you also realize how important vulnerability is. And I will tell you, everyone who has daughters has at some point, I'm sure, and I'm, I know many, many people and people don't like to talk about it, but whenever there would be serious anxiety issues with my daughters in any way, shape or form, the one thing that my daughters could always say is, Taylor Swift feels the same pain I do. She writes about it. Her songs resonate with me. She connects with people. And I think that may be her greatest accomplishment is to some degree, she makes it okay to be anxiety filled, to be depressed in the fact that you fight on and you keep doing and you be strong, but she writes about it, the relationship breakups, all of this stuff. And I think it's a very powerful message. And I think it's had a huge impact on people, probably more so than parents realize, because this is... It is a woman and it is connecting with our daughters. Well, this parent realized it when I was in that parking lot, seeing how incredibly important Taylor was 
as these young women entered adulthood. And one of the things that I was sort of struck by in doing some more research on Taylor as well is that in many instances in her career, and you pointed out one as it related to her getting political, she chose not to do the standard thing. She chose not to listen to all of the handlers and advisors who follow the formula and who say, if you want to be a pop star and the like, you have to do X, Y, and Z. She said, no, that's not where I'm going to live and I'm going to do it my way. And I know that my community, my growing community is going to appreciate the fact that I have their interests at heart, not just making another dollar. I mean, what you just said, if you wouldn't have told me that it was Taylor Swift and it was Donald Trump to just kind of jump to another side. There is a community based world out there where people want authentic, just people saying stuff. They don't want them to be scared of things. There's a toughness that comes. And for Taylor Swift, she speaks her mind and she does what she thinks is right. But when you watch the documentary, you also get to hear some of the sense, like, how can I really be this person that's trying to be authentic if I'm not going to join the fight? If I believe in this, if it's something that's important to me, I have to take the consequences and be authentic to myself. It resonates with me for sure. And that's why if you look up, and again, that's how it came to me in a podcast. I listened to a lot of leadership podcasts and this one wasn't an interview with people. This one was a podcast and I have no idea when it was. I think it was this year. It was probably something recent, but at times I'll just search, give me a podcast with leaders and someone unique. Give me an artist. And she came in and they talked about her authenticity and her vulnerability, her connecting with her community. I didn't know what a Swifty was until the last month. I'd never heard the phrase. So I'm one of those unique older people that, again, I had no idea what this was. And I just want to make sure people realize this. As a person who has gone to many, many sporting events and will buy them on StubHub all the time, your story resonates with me. It happened to me once where someone backed out with Bruce Springsteen. But I want to make sure people realize the first thing I did after this green marble thing was go, is this just because her ticket prices are expensive in New York? And so what I did is I looked and I saw that they were $2,000 plus a seat in New York. The cheapest seat was $2,000. So then I knew where my friend from college who doesn't have much money was like, can you help me find tickets? Is there any way you can get a discount? My daughter <laughs> has to go. So I'm like, all right, before I make this suggestion to him, what I normally do if there's a concert is then I'll go see if there's an arbitrage. Well, let me look at the place where I think the ticket should be the cheapest on her tour. I go scan. Oh, Detroit, Michigan. Let me go check that. $2,000 for the cheapest <laughs> seat. I've never seen this before. You can do this with any artist, any sporting event. I have traveled for World Series Game 7s in St. Louis, in Boston, in various places where I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. They're cheaper than what happens in New York. I'm going to go fly there for the experience and go see it. And I remember I went to, I took my ex-brother-in-law to a St. Louis Game 7 against the Texas Rangers, flew out. I don't remember how much the seats were, but I'm going to say they were 300 bucks. I mean, I can't even get into a horrible Mets game right now, I'm sure, against a good team for less than... 200 for a decent seat. And these were good seats for game seven. So you can pretty much do this normally. But in this case, there was no arbitrage. Taylor Swift is across the country and people are flying to go see her for $2,000 a seat. No, I, I know it all too well, pun intended. There was no arb to be had <laughs> with Taylor. And back to the green marbles here. When we were going back and forth on Voxer, talking about this phenomena at one point, you said that the Taylor community of Swifties 
is somewhat comparable or evokes crypto to you. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, this is a point that I don't think people have grabbed onto with the power of communities. And it is happening. In this case, it's Taylor Swift, what she represents, her music and all that stuff. Now for crypto, a very similar theme is there. If you want to fight, I mean, here's the example I've used on Web 3.0 podcast we've done. If you wanted to create a new Uber, all you really need to do is eventually, and we're not there yet, but in crypto, you just get a bunch of people, drivers and users who are using Uber right now. I say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go create a competing company. We're all going to leave this. And the owners of this new token, and instead of token, say company, because that's, again, what we've talked about on the podcast. I view tokens as a company, not money, as a company. They're an idea. All ideas turn into or started at some point a company. Two people sit in a garage. They come up with a tech thing, whether it's Apple, whatever, and eventually becomes $3 billion company or $3 trillion, excuse me. <laughs> in the case of tokens, if let's say you took 100 of those people, 50 drivers, 50 users, and this is in a small town, you go, we're just going to compete with Uber. We're going to set this up and we're all going to own the business. And we're going to sit there and exchange the money. You're going to use us and anyone else as this business grows, this community grows because we're the original ones. We're all keep. So everyone keeps a portion of it and it's now a competing company to Uber. And I envision this happening across the globe, little tiny communities that are creating the same function that big companies have that charge higher prices and they charge higher prices because as Jeff Bezos talked about, it's your margin is mine. I'm taking your margin. Your whatever the phrase was. Your margin is my opportunity. Yeah, yeah, my opportunity. Well, that's the way I always viewed that eventually the crypto world and the blockchain would get in is that what they would continue to reduce the margin for the people who own it and it would be distributed amongst just the people who use the service. And so that's always been when I vision and when I read through the stuff for Taylor Swift, the fact that she could re-record her music, put it out again on Spotify and it could break records. It really is a community based thing that she said, okay, I'm going to do this because I want it. And her community said, we're only going to buy true Taylor Swift things. And on Spotify, if you want to go look and see, is this a Taylor Swift version or is this another one? You've got that opportunity. So it's just a very unique situation that I think resonates to me with crypto. I think that's a very interesting analogy, but there might be an even greater aspect to Taylor than that connection that you just made. And when I was thinking about it, in order to get there, I looked back at the paper you wrote in 2017, very catchily titled, An Emotionally Intelligent Bike Ride Down Wall Street. And in that paper, you referenced a quote from the great Richard Feynman, who said, Imagine how much harder physics would be if electrons had feelings. I love that quote. And you also spoke about the importance of what you termed cognitive collaboration between humans and AI. And then I fast forwarded to the present and thought about the promise and challenge that AI is creating for all of us as it speeds towards us, whether we like it or not. And I know you have thoughts on this. Talk to me about how artists with sky-high EQ like Taylor will fare in a future where ChatGPT9 will be ultimately upon us. 
Well, this gets back to the conversation with my daughter as to why Taylor Swift means something to her. And I asked her to send me a text on what Taylor Swift means to her. So there's two things about that. This was one of my three daughters, but I knew this one to me has a very high emotional intelligence and is very good about expressing the question of what does she mean to you? Meaning some people are just not good when you say, how do you feel? They don't want to share their feelings. Your feelings are yours. They're private. And some people have a hard time expressing them. In fact, I would say most. You've been to the Wednesday after hours here where we sit around a table and I'm very big on people being able to share their deepest, darkest worries and fears and experiences and the things that have been troubling for them. My daughter sent me, as expected, a very deep, touching thing about why Taylor Swift meant something to her. And here's the thing. It was very quick. And I say very quick because this feeds into AI. So as you know, and as we've talked about, I spent some time taking Python online and then have been actively using ChatGPT to help me write papers. And I say help, and this is important for everyone to understand. I don't think it can write anything perfectly for me that won't make people think it doesn't have my touch. Now, I have figured ways for it to write in my style. I've given it the analogies that I want it to use. And it sets a framework for what's there. But here's the thing. If I can't talk about it, you can ask me about any of the papers. When I wrote that paper in 2017, an emotionally intelligent bike ride down Wall Street, this was at a time when quants were starting to dominate. And I wrote a paper six months ago saying that quants were now going to go through a, a big drawdown. When I say quants, this had more to do with value-driven places. AQR had just grown in massive size, and the China-U.S. trade war was going to break historical correlation. So it was really more that a backtest wasn't going to work and that we didn't have true AI yet, that it was growing, but we didn't actually have it yet. And so I said that humans still matter and feelings still matter, and I think that's where Taylor Swift is. I think when she writes music, you could absolutely have ChatGPT write 50 Taylor Swift songs while we're sitting here. No question. You just download all her music. It will write them. But my daughter cares about knowing that Taylor Swift went through these things. She cares that Taylor Swift is singing about this like it's her personal diary. And a computer, it's going to be hard for humans to say, well, you didn't go through this. And that's why with a lot of music today, it's written by other people. And so you like the song, but if it's not the person singing it that has these feelings, it's very different. And I think that's where the separation is going to come with her. I think her authenticity again and the ability for people to listen to it and know that she wrote it from her own personal experience I think that's going to separate things for just a lot of people. And I just want to say this one more time about the authenticity thing, because it gets back into the blockchain. In the future, when an artist writes a song, you're going to know it's her song, at least from the basis of when she puts it out there, it's authentically hers, meaning someone can't take it, reproduce it, do it. It's not Taylor Swift. It's some fake one. You will be able to know that at least she's the one that published it. Whether or not she wrote the whole thing, I'm not sure how that's ever going to happen again because I do think people are going to use ChatGPT the same way I'm using it now, which is to help you write or to organize things in a way or make them clearer, but you still need the feelings to come across and that empathy of understanding what people want to hear and understanding how people feel is really important. And the mere fact that she will assign her name next to certain songs in and of itself because people 
have a narrative about her, I think that's very important. And to illustrate this again, because I know we have a lot of listeners who don't listen to Taylor's songs, I'm just going to include three in the show notes. Shake It Off, which is about overcoming obstacles that come your way. Cardigan, which is about being hurt and ultimately being grateful for relationships as they come and go. And then Antihero, which is all about her own mental health challenges and expressing vulnerability and the like. I think those three songs of many, many songs are really wonderful. I have one final question for you, Jordy. You mentioned that your daughter sent you this text. Would you be willing to share some or all of that text? Because I really think it will help underscore everything that you have been saying. Yes. And the reason why is because <laughs> if there's nothing in there, and I know I sent it to you, so I'm, I'm saying something you know, but the audience doesn't know this, but it was enough of a surprise as to not just what she wrote, but how quickly she wrote it. So yes, I will read it. So again, the question was, what does Taylor Swift mean to you? She's a part of my childhood and there's an exclamation point. So I got to put that in. <laughs> One of my favorite songs ever is You Belong With Me, because no matter where and who you play it with, everyone will always know the words. Her errors tour, and this is where she is explaining to me because <laughs> maybe I don't know this, which I didn't. Her errors tours, I had no idea that was it, which she's on right now, <laughs> is a tour where she sings multiple songs from every album she's ever put out since she was 16. I think it's so special that she's able to bring so many people together for her tour. And even those that couldn't get tickets stand outside stadiums like G3 all <laughs> night singing with each other. It's a trend to bring friendship bracelets to her concerts and give them to other fans. So I think just the fact that she can get everyone together is so amazing. Taylor Swift is so special because she's been around for so long and so many people have so many special memories to her songs. For me, whenever I listen to Folklore or Speak Now, her albums, it reminds me of Maine. She evokes feelings of nostalgia and warmth for everyone. And I think that's why she's such a special artist. She's like a warm hug. That is beautiful and very touching. One more thing, as promised, could you share with everyone how you went about prompting ChatGPT to write you an analysis that helped you in the prep for this episode? Yeah, and for anyone who hasn't, done this, I highly recommend if you, no matter what, you should do this. So the first thing I had to do was I created a prompt for ChatGPT, which basically said, I'm going to upload four or five papers of examples of my writing one at a time. Please say continue once I've done one. And then when I'm finished, I'll put finished. And after that, we'll write a paper. So Something along those lines is what I put in. I uploaded the examples of my writing. And then I said, write me a paper in my style with an analogy of Taylor Swift connected to AI and crypto. I did not add in the authenticity, the artificial intelligence. I just kind of let it go. The vulnerability wasn't in there. And I wanted to see. Now, I did three versions. The first one came out good, but that one I had only uploaded one portion of the paper. Then I came back and I did five. It got better. And on the one that I sent you and the one we'll upload, I thought it was good enough that I really would believe that I wrote it and I didn't edit anything. I then said, write me a paper, not in my style on Taylor Swift. 
and it was horrible. <laughs> now, that's not to say that my style of writing is great. It's just to remind people that if you want to use artificial intelligence and not treat it as Google search or Alexa, it's the prompts. The prompts are the key. And the more you practice with the prompts, and because I am connecting analogies, which I'm doing all the time, I did a paper today on, hey, connect the New York Knicks to the old economy versus new economy theme. And it wrote a very long paper and it didn't look necessarily like something that I would do. There were a lot of things in there I would edit, but that's how I did it and we'll upload it and then people can see it. And if they have questions, they can reach out. But you still have to think. You still have to put in effort to come up with prompts that are going to get you the output that you want. The number one thing with ChatGPT, since it won't say, can you give me more details? There are people, and I consider myself one of them, that are very, very good at Google search to find something. There are other people that are not good at Google search, meaning they get caught with a bunch of garbage. If you want to connect something like, hey, when I want to write a paper, some of the things I do, like juggling, <laughs> I did one on juggling to the market and how hard it is for people to learn to juggle at an older age. So if you're trying to get people to use ChatGPT, it's kind of like asking them to go juggle. They don't want to do it. And it takes time. It takes effort. Well, chat GPT and prompts take effort too. And you have to be very, very deliberate and kind of thinking about what you want to put. And you have to practice on it and you get better and better and better. Just like everything else. On that note, Jordy, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, G3. This podcast should not be reproduced, copied, distributed, or published in whole or in part. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The views expressed herein are subject to change without notice. Information in this podcast is based on data regarding current market conditions from sources believed to be reliable. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. You should consult your own advisors regarding business, legal, tax, or other matters concerning investment. Any health-related information shared on this podcast is not intended as medical advice or for use in self-diagnosis or treatment. Please consult a qualified healthcare professional before acting upon any health-related information on this podcast. Please review related show notes for this podcast and visit www.gweiss.com to review related disclosures and learn more about Weiss.